Hello and welcome to All in the Addictive Gamblers podcast. It's Sunday morning. We have a meeting. We have some crossover from Wednesday meeting. Tom is joining us today and we have Jeff and of course Rich and Clarice. So we'll get started. We'll turn it over to Rich with the topic today. Thank you, Brian. Welcome, Tom. Welcome back, Clarice. So today, well, what about just, me, Tom? What about me? What about welcome me? Welcome back, Jeff. Yeah, you know, I get yeah. sensitive with those things. Especially Rich. all the times you've come back. All right, thank you, Rich. You are so special to this thank, podcast. Oh, no, oh, oh. We couldn't do it without you. We oh, tried Rich. one week and it was oh. terrible. <laughs> all right. So we're going to talk about a chart. It's the progressive chart of a compulsive gambler and his or her recovery. And it comes from a Dr. Bob Custer, who was the first head of the VA hospital program for compulsive gamblers in 1972, I think. But really, it comes from a guy by the name of E.M. Jelinek, and he did it for alcoholism first. And how he did it was he interviewed, I think, about 200 people in recovery and got their input as to what happens when in the phases of addiction and then in the phases of recovery. And he pulled it all together and it's been modified a few times. But Custer was the one that modified the alcoholic curve for compulsive gamblers. So we're gonna start off with the first phase which is called the winning phase. And Tom, I'm gonna ask if you can read the one- Tom can't read, he's in a car driving. Oh, Tom's in a car, Clarice. (laughs) Could you read? I think there's about eight little bullets associated with a winning phase. Sure. My name is Clarice. I am a compulsive gambler. The winning phase on the chart, a chart of compulsive gambling and recovery. Winning phase, frequent winning, more frequent gambling, fantasies about gambling, frequent gambling, occasional gambling, exciting excitement prior to and with gambling, increased amount bet, and big win. Thank you, Clarice. Now, I throw it open to anybody here, especially Jeff, to comment (laughs) on the winning phase. What was your winning phase like? Hey, Rich, this is Tom. Can I jump in? Please, Tom. Excellent. I'm Tom K., Convulsive Gambler, last bet, January 12th of this year. Um, In my experience, the winning phase and the losing phase, which we haven't gotten to yet, was well, all kind of like intermingled over a long period of time. Um, but my very first recollections of gambling, specifically sports gambling, when I was um, maybe 18 or 19 years old, I remember winning early on um, at stakes that were a heck of a lot smaller than they were when I ultimately entered recovery. Um, but those wins seemed to be frequent. Um, you know, it was, it was more of a social event between myself and my friends. We would all gamble on NFL Sundays and college football Saturdays. There was frequent winning. There was plans to gamble. You know, each and every week we looked forward to it. And from time to time when I was younger, there were big wins as well. You know, we would hit huge parlays. Um, we would, you know, give some back along the way and then have a few other frequent wins. And it was that excitement that drew me to the sports gambling each and every weekend. And I looked forward to it. And it got to a point during the winning phase where I had a difficult time um, separating my love of sports versus my love of sports betting. It it was really, really hard to 
determine what I was in it for, you know? Um, but again, the, the winning phase, it went on for a long period of time. There were losses in between, but it wasn't until much later when I was playing much greater stakes that I entered into a couple of these other phases that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Thanks, Tom. It's great to have you. Clarice, if I, if I may just real quick, just can I just, uh, sorry, real quick, I just wanted to mention that Tom joined us from Wednesday. Tom, if, if it's okay that I mention this, is that yesterday Tom put in our group chat, today is the first NFL Sunday where he's not going to be placing a bet. And so I said, hey, we're doing this meeting tomorrow if you want to join. He was kind enough to join us. And so uh, I'm sure a lot of people are with you today, Tom, on that because today's the day. So thank you for being here and thank you for bringing that topic to us. Thanks, Brian. Clarice, you want to tell us on the female side what it's like to be in the winning phase? Sure. The, act, the one that actually hit me the most is the excitement prior to, to, to gambling. I remember it was actually my first time ever winning, but it was only my second or third time ever going to bingo, and which is the only gambling I ever did. But this particular time, it was only like my second or third time going to bingo, and I had a couple dollars extra after I bought my package and back then of course it was a small package because I wasn't really good at it yet so I thought I'd pick two papers and then I had a couple dollars for something to eat and I had five dollars left over so I bought a five dollars worth of instance and I got a number on it and I had no idea what I was doing yet I was new to it but I got a number and the number came in so I turned five dollars into 250 and I was like oh this is really cool I can do this again this is easy so that's when I, that was my first win and it still sticks to me today. And luckily it's not a bingo hall anymore because it's right down the street from me. I mean, <laughs> but um, that was one of the, the, one, the one thing that I really, really remember is like that first win because it was just a few dollars and, and I, of course, didn't become compulsive for another quite a few years, but that was one of my first rem memories. And I didn't, of course, in the beginning, I didn't hit that many wins really with more losses but um eventually as my as i started making a bigger bet and got better at bingo and buying more packages then i did start winning a little more but that was the start of it and thanks for letting me share thank you turning five dollars into 250 is fantastic <laughs> anybody else hi rich hi jeff hey rich nice to see you this is this is a great topic by the way i you know, I took some um, some courses in um, in learning about gambling addiction, and this was definitely a major uh, piece of it. Um, so I relate to as I'm looking at our graph that you so kindly provided. I'm looking at the right side of the winning stage, and that's what I relate to um, the occasional gambling, which was my experience very, very early on. Um, and then definitely the excitement prior to and with gambling. Um, and that was anywhere, started anywhere from just knowing that I was going to go to the casino or maybe that in those days, it was more like the racetrack because the casinos were not as plentiful and available as they are today. And of course, with gambling, and then um, increasing the amount of the bet would always increase that excitement. Um, and and a big win. I don't recall specific wins that were big, 
but I just remember the excitement of the win. And I think at that stage, any kind of win for me was like a big win. And that just, as many people have experienced from what they, they say, uh, that just sort of propelled my gambling and the addiction because that's what my brain told me that if I did it once, I can do it again. Um, and I sort of discarded the fact that the odds were clearly against me and I wasn't going to have that win every time I gambled, but just the potential win is what really motivated me. So that, that was clearly my, my winning phase. Thanks, Jeff. I, I mean, I can echo a bit of what Jeff was saying uh, and what Clarice was saying. I remember the, the damn taxi machine that I won on and then was convinced I'm going to win on then again. And so, I mean, whatever I won, I don't know how many times that amount that I lost then on that machine because I was convinced that I knew how to win on that machine, even though that's a, you're pressing the same button, it doesn't matter. Um, and so I would go back to that machine every single time. Like I know what I'm looking for and therefore I know that it's going to work out. And, and it, it cost me a lot of, a lot of time and money. I, the frequency of my gambling was not frequent because I would go and I would take every dollar that I had available to me the time I went. And whether I was able to leave or not and leave any for the next time, which I'd happily return if I could uh, as soon as possible, but it was generally it involved payday from whichever of the two or three jobs I was working at the time. So uh, my, my winning stage was, was few and far, but it, uh, it certainly conducted my entire gambling, right? Just those few wins made me think forever that I could win over and over and over again. Um, never had a, I mean, I had a big win in, in regards to what I thought was a lot of money, but it was, you know, in the grand scheme, a couple of saved paychecks, I would have been in the same position, right? So uh, it's, it's, it's hard to think about that now. And, and you just want to grab your old self and say, hey, man, stop it. But that was my, my winning stage. Thanks, Brian. I forgot to introduce myself. I'm rich in Florida, compulsive gambler, 5712 was my last bet. So my winning stage, especially for the horses, started in 1965. I told this story last week, I think. It was November 26th. It was at Suffolk Downs in Boston. I won 11 out of 12 races. Now you're saying, can't be. But I was betting the favorites to show. It's unusual that 11 out of 12 of them do show, but they did that night. And I won $68. I was betting $10 a race. So instead of 50 times my bet, like Clarice, it was 6.8 times my bet. But still, it was a lot of money to me. And I was already thinking about, let's not finish engineering school. Let's do this professionally. <laughs> Luckily, it was the next to the last night of the meet. And I didn't go back the next night. So I had a lot of time to think about that until horse racing came back to Boston. But I was there when it came back. And I had a couple of really big wins in the stock market that makes $68 look like chump change. Uh, but I also had some losses, so we won't go into that. All right, the losing phase. Jeff, would you like to read all this little fine print? Sure, Rich. Okay, so the losing phase. It says, prolonged losing episodes, covering up lying, losing time from work, personality changes, irritable, restless, withdrawn, 
heavy borrowing slash legal and illegal, gambling alone, thinks only about gambling, can't stop gambling slash borrowing illegally, careless about spouse and family, delays paying debts, home life unhappy and unable to pay debts. Excellent. Would you like to comment on that? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it was my biography um, for many, many years. Uh, definitely relate to all of all of it, really. Um, it w- just brings me back to um, a stage in my life that was, as I said, extremely long, many, many years, and uh, only got worse. That losing stage was uh, was not a fun stage to be in. And um, of course, as we get into the desperation stage, that's when it really got worse. But um, just the just the stress involved in not being able to meet financial obligations, number one, um, as well as keeping my lies straight and knowing, you know, trying to remember what lie I told last, what lie I needed to tell Next, uh, I, I guess, you know, the, the lying and the mood swings and the financial stress and, um, and devastation really all went hand in hand in that losing stage. It was, it was quite painful. Thank you, Jeff. We can almost feel your pain. Anybody else? Yeah. Hey, guys. This is Tom. Um, when you read the losing stage like that, losing, losing stage seemed a hell of a lot deeper and more impactful than just losing money from time to time. Um, I would say it was probably 10 years into my sports betting, right around, I don't know, 2008 maybe, when I started lying to my then fiance. I started hiding money um, pretty frequently and (laughs) I I would borrow all my credit cards, you know, maybe not take cash advances, but put normal household expenditures that would typically come out of my checking account. I would use my credit card so I could borrow and have additional cash left in my checking account to gamble. And we hadn't uh, merged our finances together yet. So it was that money that I was using to gamble. And depending upon whether I was on a winning streak or a losing streak, I would try to nestle away as much money as possible. And I never said a thing about it. Um, That was sort of the beginning of the lying and the deceitful actions that I would take. And years later, when I was introduced or I discovered personal loans and and online loans, then I really took things to another level in terms of borrowing and and fueling the habit of playing each and every day. Um, And ultimately, it was that, that significant borrowing that led to financial disaster. Um, but for the, some of the other things that Jeff mentioned, you know, I can't stop gambling. Uh, I, I'm losing time for, from work. All of those things are true, right? I mean, instead of spending the nine hours a day, I, I should be spending on my job. I'm at my job, but I'm thinking about gambling. I'm preparing for the next, next day's bets, the next night's bets. I'm reviewing what happened the day before. I'm looking at my finances to, to make sure I have enough money to continue to gamble. All of those things are true. And all of it is extremely progressive where I can't remember when 
these sort of activities started, but I sure as hell remember how it all ended. Thanks, Tom. In the interest of time, I'm going to move on to the next phase. It's called the desperation phase, and I'll read it. Reputation affected, alienation from family and friends, blaming others, illegal acts, marked increases in amount and time spent gambling, remorse, and panic. So my comment on this is very similar to the other phase where I'm lying to my brand new wife. I can't stop going. I'm going day and night. I'm not going to school. My life is a mess. And yet I keep gambling. I literally can't stop because gambling is what relieved my feelings of frustration. It also caused it, but still I was like caught in this loop. Anyway, would someone else like to talk about desperation phase? Go ahead. This is Clarice. Um, With me, the one thing that stuck out as far as the losing part was actually was the heavy borrowing or illegal or illegal. I would actually start, I would tell myself I was only borrowing it because back then my husband at the time was starting to use drugs and he was drinking a lot. So I would borrow money from his wallet while he was sleeping. 20 here, 20 there before he would, and he wouldn't even notice it because he'd be like, well, he'd be buying beers for everybody at the bar anyway. So I'd borrow money while he's sleeping. And then come Friday, when he let me go to bingo, he'd give me so much money to go to bingo. And I had all this other money stashed that I had borrowed all week. And so that was the one thing. But the, the other thing, as far as desperation, I remember about the blaming others. I would go to bingo. I would tell my girls, I'm going to bingo for the night. And I go and I get back home and my daughters would be like, well, we need new school shoes or we need a new new uniform or the pets needed something. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me that before I went to bingo? Knowing damn well, I, was, I wouldn't have done it anyways. I still would have been like, well, I'll get the money for that. And I still would have went to bingo, but I used to put the blame on them. Well, you should have told me before I left. And I, and they were nine and 10 year olds. They were nine year olds. So I was sitting there throwing the blame on them, put, making them feel guilty, saying, well, it's your fault because you should have told me before I went. So that was another thing. And of course, um, more illegal acts, I stole from my one daughter. And she, um, she couldn't find a purse, and I ended up finding a four and looked in it before I gave, told her, I found it. I looked in it and I found cash. And I was like, well, I can't tell her I found it now because I want the money. So I stole her purse. And like their savings bonds and stuff like that. So I'm still dealing with some of that stuff. But thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Clarice. Would somebody like to read that bottom box? Sure. Hopeless. This is what the three stages lead to. Uh, Hopelessness, suicidal ideation, arrests, alcohol and drug abuse, emotional breakdown, withdrawal symptoms. And uh, if I'll just comment, if I may, Rich. Um, to me, to me, sort of what Tom said earlier about winning and losing going together, winning, losing, desperation, and this box. To me, maybe not this box. This box different, but those, those three, and almost to an extent, this whole chart should just be in a circle for me because all three stages were happening either nightly or weekly, or it was never a stage of like now I'm here, now I'm here, now I'm here. It was a cycle, and it was endless. And I would get myself out of trouble, then get right back into trouble. And the same thing Tom said and Clarice said about personal loans and online loans and taking these ridiculous loans to go win back my money and then just creating more trouble um, really got me pretty damn desperate. Uh, so I, 
you know, to me, it, it's, it's nice in the way it's set up this to this to this, but it's a big circle to myself. Thanks, Brian. I have seen other graphics. It shows kind of a, like a spiral and you can go from one level to the other. There's other attempts since this. Um, let's move on to recovery, something positive. Who would like to read the hey, Rich, can, can, I, can I interrupt you for one second? Sure, Jeff. Um, because I've also seen other graphs that actually um, have that fourth stage, which is in the box of hopeless hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always um, confused me as to what the difference between desperation stage and the hopeless stage. And I, I just wanted to make a comment on that because, again, for me, I, I think I sort of figured it out in my desperation stage it would cause me to do things that were absolutely insane with that little tiny bit of still hope, so to speak, that it could solve the problem. Um, you know, it's like, it's like, it's that fantasy of like going to Vegas and put everything that you have left on black or red and, and then deciding that if you hit great, if not, you're done. Now, the hopeless stage for me, which is that box that's on the graph, is feeling that the road has ended. And I felt that way when I got caught. And I was contemplating what my next move was, either basically coming clean or ending my life. So it was devoid of even that little sliver of hope that I can get myself out of it. And I think that, you know, for me, that was really an important distinction that I finally figured out. So I just wanted to add that to it. Thank you. Yeah, at the end, the only options we have are bad options. So, all right, the critical phase of recovery. I can read this. Uh, Hopeful, responsible thinking, spiritual needs examined, decision-making, return to work, problem-solving, thinking clearer, personal stock, realistic, Stop scambling, honest desire for help. Who would like to check in on this one? Hey, Rich. I'll go. Um, I really like this one because this is, uh, this is the part where I turn my life around. Um, in those first few days or, or weeks entering recovery, um, the pain was still there. I'm not going to lie. Um, but I was able to take an objective, unbiased view at what I had done financially and emotionally to others. And I was able to work out a plan uh, that didn't involve gambling. I was able to take honest stock of, of all of the money that I had pissed away. And I was able to objectively determine how long it was going to take me to dig out of the hole. But deep down in my mind, I knew that without gambling, there would be an end to this financial distress. Um, and if I never, if I never returned to the bet, it gave me hope for a better future, right? It gave me hope that I wouldn't have to wake up every day. And as Jeff talked about, taking stock of all the lies that you had told the previous day and make sure that you keep a consistent story. And that is physically and emotionally draining. Um, but waking up each and every day when I was in recovery, I felt so much more refreshed. Right? I was able to think more clearly because I was sleeping better. Um, I was able to physically feel better because I wasn't under so much stress. I was able to begin working out and doing other things that 
I had completely given up uh, as part of as part of my day to day gambling routine. And I can't tell you how much better I felt physically and emotionally. And it only gets better from there. Thanks, Tom. I remember my sponsor up in Detroit, Jim M. He was told, if you stop gambling, you can stop lying. And I think that ought to be part of the critical phase, too. That helps think clearer and everything. All right, let's move on to the rebuilding phase. Who would like to read that? I will. Uh, The rebuild stage. Less irrational behavior, more family time, self-respect returning, accept self-weakness and strengths, restitution plans, more family time, less impatience, resolve legal problems, develop goals, new interests, improved spouse and family relationships, paying bills, budget. Excellent. That seems like a lot in that stage to like, I'm taking care of everything. Here we go. And it doesn't doesn't seem at all realistic to me. Uh, Like two of them, maybe I could work on at one time, but I see what they're saying, but it just, it's a lot to read all at once. And you go, that's, you're talking about years worth of stuff here. I, this is not something that you just click. It's not like the, the first three phases where it's a big circle and you're like, this is every day. Oh my God, what am I doing? Uh, it's, it's much longer than that. And for me, the, the thing that, that sticks out of there is, um, I, I, before I wouldn't have said this, but the self-respect returning, I, I'm starting to, this is six years later, I'm starting to feel better now. I'm starting to, and I've said this to Jeff privately, I'm starting to just feel more positive in general. It's a feeling that I haven't had in a very, very long time. I mean, I can't remember when I would just feel naturally good without either booze or drugs or, or gambling or, or, you know, sex or whatever it was. But just to wake up and go, I can take a breath and I feel good and I have no stress when I wake up. And then, of course, you know, there's a baby running around and that causes the different stress. But um, it's, it's, it's an amazing feeling to, and it's it's very small for me right now the, the 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 positivity and the way i feel about myself is is small but it's i notice it and i never notice it for a long time and that would just cause me to repeat the cycle and so it's that's what sticks out to me the most in this stage thanks brian just an observation of what you're saying perhaps the first three phases are quicker than the second three phases you know it stretches out over time it depends on how many meetings you go to, or what are you doing to recover? Uh, it depends on a lot of things, but the, there are no time measures on this chart, and the critical stage can last quite a while, depending on what you're doing. And some people, I dare say, never get to the rebuilding phase. You know, they're just so, so happy to stop gambling, and they go to their meetings and they recite their date, and that's it. But uh, this is almost like extra credit to do some of these things. And we probably only do a couple at a time. Anyway, it was a good point that you made that uh, these are kind of like promises. And sometimes they come true quickly. Sometimes they came true slowly, in my case. (laughs) All right, anybody else on rebuilding phase? Yeah, sure. This is Clarice again. Um, What hit me the most is the restitution plan. Um, For me, I did a lot of my like personal amends to my best friend, my aunt, my mother. And my mother didn't even remember about the fact that she started feeding my girls because I wasn't feeding them anymore. I was telling my I was telling myself that when my daughters ate breakfast and lunch at school, they didn't need dinner. So I wasn't buying food. 
And when my mother found out, she was my next neighbor, she started inviting my girls over to her house and she'd feed them dinner. And she wouldn't send leftovers over because she didn't want me to get any of it. And when I made my amends to her, she forgot all about that. She was like, I did that? And I'm like, yes, you did. And I was like, you shouldn't have had to. She goes, they're my grandkids. Of course I would. And I was like, yeah, but you shouldn't have had to. I'm like, you had to do it because you found out I wasn't feeding them. So that really hit home, just be able to actually do that. So, I'm, But I'm still working on some financial amends. And another one was um, that? just developing new goals and having a better life. Oh, improving spouse and family relationships. That was a big one too. I mean, just recently, well, last year, I had lost my daughter for three years because of my gambling, but I had relapsed and it just crushed her. And last year she reached out to me on my birthday. It was like, happy birthday, mom. And then from that point on, three months later, she was graduating from college and I got to watch her graduate. And I got to meet her bonus children. And I found out at the one's birthday party that my daughter was gonna have a baby and the baby was born on my clean date. And I mean, he's my little inspiration and he'll be four months old on the 14th. And if I was still gambling, there's no way he'd be a part of my life. And to be able to watch him and see him grow and learn new things, it's an amazing thing. And it's thanks to recovery. I mean, I wouldn't have him, I wouldn't have the girls, I wouldn't have my daughter. And recovery gave me my daughter back and a bonus family. And I'm so grateful. So thank you for letting me share. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Thank you. All right. Let's see if I can get the last phase so I can see it. The last stage is called growth. And it says sacrificing for others, giving affection to others, insight into self, preoccupation with gambling decreases, facing problems promptly, understanding self and others. Anybody like to comment? I'm happy to talk about facing problems promptly because that's the one that sticks out to me the most. And this is where I, I, I quickly, I don't know if it's because of everything I've been through, but whoever I am in a tiff or an argument with, uh, or if there's an issue, I, I'm, I'm quick to either apologize or talk to the person or discuss because I don't, I don't like those feelings that create within me an urge to do something bad or something uh, detrimental to my health. So I like to problem solve right away. I don't, I don't want a lasting issue going on because I don't want to feel any of those feelings where I'm like, oh, I don't, you know, there's guilt, there's remorse. What am I? Uh. So I just like to talk to the individual if we have something like that and, and, and approach it head on as soon as possible. I'm, I'm very quick to realize when I'm wrong now. I, I wasn't when I was younger. And now I'm very quick to realize I was angry. I said stuff that was wrong. I need to go back in and, and you know, play doctor here and, and fix the problem, put in the stitches and do the work. And so I'm, that's the one that sticks out to me the most in that section. Because I mean, the new way of life obviously is, yay, um, sacrificing for others. It's, a, it's all good stuff, but the facing the problems promptly is something I've learned to do. Thanks, Brian. Hidden from my view... The growth phase points to this last one that's called new way of life. And I heard somebody say that recovery gives them a chance at a second life. How'd it go? Anyway, (laughs) the thing is, it's not recovering what it used to be like. It's recovering something completely new that I never even envisioned. And definitely these bullet points are so far away from what I was when I was gambling. Anybody else? I'll share. My biggest one on this is giving affection to others. Um, I get so much pleasure and 
enjoyment out of helping other compulsive gamblers because I know what it's like when I was new to the program. So I try to give back to my program as much as I can. Um, a year ago, I, start, I started co-running one of my GA meetings and we, um, the books were like real old back then. They were, we were, weren't really replenishing the books and stuff like that. So I, um, I replenished the books. And when the group found out, of course, it was very really obvious we had new books. And they was like, um, we want to reimburse you for that for it. And I was like, I didn't do it for that. I did it for the group. And they was like, well, you deserve to have the money back. And they was like, and I was like, if you're going to, if you insist on giving the money back, I only want back half. And not only when I did that, I also ordered like other brochures about, um, um, your first meeting and different little brochures and a bunch of like pocket folders and I created my own welcome packet and I didn't ask for a dime for that. I still have them downstairs. I have a, uh, they have a welcome keychain, the welcome coin and all kinds of different little, little brochures. And of course they would have also the phone list and the meeting list for that particular meeting. But I did that on my own money and I still got like 50 copies downstairs because every time we get an, um, I carry five to that meeting with me at all times. And once I go through the set pack, I grab, grab some more to take with me. And they're already, I got a 25 already set up, ready to go. And that's just my way of giving back. And it's like, I want them to have information. I want them to know that we understand we're there for them. And it, it makes me feel good. And it shows me that, you know what, I am growing. And I, I remember when I was a new person and I just want to give back to that new person and let them know, you know what, it's going to be okay. Thank you. Again, 180 degrees from what we used to be, only thinking about ourselves, never giving anything to anybody, <laughs> for me anyway. Anybody Wait, else? Rich, yeah, Rich, I have a comment, Jeff. Um, I always um, thought that there should also be uh, like a maintenance stage after the growth stage, even though I recognize that we're, we're always still growing and we can always do better. But there are a couple of things in my mind that are, are not mentioned that I, uh, that would be important for me to remind myself of. And that is, you know, guarding against complacency and the fact that even though I have reached a certain level in growth, acceptance that there is no cure and that I have to continuously be vigilant not to relapse and to, and to be proactive. And the, and the other piece that I thought would be helpful um, and and I, again, I understand that it talks about sacrificing for others, but that's a, a pretty general statement. I would like to see it include something more in line with step 12 of the 12 steps, you know, carrying the message to other compulsive gamblers, because I think that's a really important stage. And in fact, you know, GA indicates that there are two things that one must do in order to avoid a relapse. Number one is have that spiritual awakening, which requires us to work on our character defects. And the second piece of it is spreading the message to others that are still struggling. And um, I just think that that should be more expressly included in that last stage or even in, a, in another stage of recovery. So th those are just my thoughts on it. Thanks, Jeff. Very good. Does anybody else have anything they want to mention before the meeting ended? Anything they want to talk about before the meeting ended? I have, a, I have a, again, another thing that I wanted to mention, and I think it's a great way to, uh, to close. I just got a, um, a message from our friend Josh, and I will read oh, it to you um, as long as I can find it. Uh, let's see. 
Okay. It says, um, hey, Jeff, just wanted to let everyone know that I'm good. Just been volunteering a lot at the church for people that have been displaced from the fire. And for those of you who may not uh, know, Josh is in the heart of where the fires are in California. And we're all, you know, thinking about him and concerned. And it's just great to get that text message from him to not only let us know that he's okay, but also to let us know what he's doing. And that is such a perfect example of recovery at its best to be able to do that. And I also just want to thank Tom for uh, bringing up that NFL issue, something I never really think about because I wasn't a sports better, but Tom was able to make it. And again, Tom's out running errands right now, but he made it to a meeting because of the internet. And so how good is the internet in situations like this? He was able to jump on and be in a meeting on a day where he needed a meeting. So Tom, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, the, the point being just hearing some positivity uh, gives weight to, to what you're doing. Uh, and it gives validation that the steps that you take uh, to stop betting leads to something more positive. And the meetings are just a great reminder for all of the positive changes that have happened and that will continue to happen when you're not gambling. Amen. Well, Rich, thank you for the topic. Clarice, Tom, Jeff, thanks for joining. Josh, thanks for what you're doing. Christy, we miss you. And everybody on the West Coast, stay safe. Thanks for listening.